Hello. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Sex Actually podcast, also known as The Sap. As always, it is your boy, Dave Neal, host with the most insecurities. Uh, welcome, new listeners. If this is your first time hearing my voice, I'm a stand-up comedian and a hopeless romantic in a long-term uh, relationship, uh, four years and counting. If you go all the way back to the beginning episodes of this podcast, I was in the friend zone. So watch me dig myself out of the friend zone in 275 hours of content. <laughs> uh, but uh, things are going well. I'm uh, exposing my life to you, and uh, hopefully you can do the same in return. Expo- let's expose ourselves to each other. Uh, that can't go wrong in 2018. Uh Local comedian arrested for exposing himself all over a podcast. Uh, but that's what we do here, right? We get ugly. You know, we tell you about the good and the bad, the ugly, the toxic, the love. And uh, that's what love is. Love comes with baggage. Uh, can you handle the baggage? That's the question for you all. Can you handle it? Oh, uh, you know who's... Uh, let, let's see if... Uh, two episodes, uh, can, I, can I call you? Um, I, uh, two episodes ago, we had some... Uh, we had Katie Haller on the podcast, and she was going through a breakup, and she just texted me. So let's call her back and see how she's doing, because I told you guys we would, uh, you know, we would stay in touch with her, because breakups suck. Breakups suck, but, uh, you know, over time, things get better. Hello? What's happening? How are you? I just started my intro for the podcast, and I thought I'd give you a call. Oh, yeah. I've got updates. You got updates? Yeah, how you doing? I'm actually I'm doing so much better. Like Yeah. I um I told you I sent an email, right? Yeah, that's where we left off. You were gonna email yeah. the guy who broke up I, with you about two weeks ago. Yeah. Um did I send it to you? No. Ooh, oh I'll send it to you. Well, <laughs> maybe that's a little too much. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, so basically, he, he, like basically you found out he blocked you on Instagram. I don't know if it's block or unfollow, but either way, yeah. Um, it's the same. Uh, but I, I realized like what was like so unsettling about it was kind of like, it was like, it wasn't that it was over. It was that he was going to basically be able to run away, and I never actually got to like, say anything or respond so like the email was like very it was it was mature it wasn't like really heated but it was basically like I'm really grateful for our relationship but here are a couple things that I kind of just want you to know and it's like I know that you thought that you did me a favor by you know or I you said that you were doing me a favor but like this was truly the opposite of a favor and I like kind of called him out about how he used to always say, like, because he was cheated on, he would never have the heart to do that. And I was, like, like, abruptly leaving someone without any warning is, like, also a betrayal. So, like, you might as well have cheated. Um, And then I also called him out for, like, not responding to my text about the job. And just, like, I was, like, that's just, like, a lack of empathy that I, I don't understand. And then I was, like, I hope that, like, whatever is, you know, forcing you to, like, hurt the people that care about you. I hope that you can look at it, like, for yourself and take care. That's all I said. Wow. And it felt really good. That's amazing. And I, I, I knew that, like, I was like, the discomfort of me sitting with that is so much more than him. Like, I knew, I, I knew he wouldn't answer, and he didn't, and I'm okay with it. He didn't like, respond? I, I don't. No. 
You know what? But that's the thing. You got it off your chest, and you let him know what you stand for. Yeah, and and it was stuff that he's like he's he's trying to run away from it. So he's there was nothing he could really. I mean, yeah, it would have been nice for him to respond. But like, I I kind of wrote it knowing there's no way he'll answer this. But the, but good for um, you because you're you're at least uh, drawing a line in the sand for what you put up with, and you're telling yourself that you don't put up with that sort of abandonment. You know what I mean? Yeah, and exactly. I think that's what was irking me so much was just the anger and feeling like I didn't express it to him at all. So you get some rebound or what? I did. I got some rebound. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Good for you. Um, except, except we're both rebounding. This is this could actually be a joke at some point. We're both rebounding with each other, and it's like kind of not working. <laughs> Like sexually, where are you both like shitting on your exes together? Oh, oh, not sh- no, like kind of. We're talking about it to each other, like not too much, but just like you know. I, I love the uh, sorry. I love the group therapy. Like you're both on the couch, like physically. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of. Um, except like we the first night we hooked up, I was. I was way too, I think I was just, like, really, um, that whole week, I was, like, and I think I was, like, about to get sick, so, like, it just, I was way too drunk, and I haven't, and, like, we slept together, like, the first time we hung out, but it, like, I was, it was kind of, like, an attempted, attempt at sex, but, like, we ended up just being, like, yeah, we can't do this. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny when you're drunk, and, like, sex is such a physical activity, you're just sloshing around alcohol in your stomach as you try to fuck. (laughs) so... And then the next day, he, like, sent me a text and was like, you know, I had a lot of fun with you. It's, like, totally fine that we're both, or that, like, you got emotional. Because, like, I, you know, when we started talking about relationships and stuff, I told him about Ben and got emotional, which is whatever. I don't really care. Um, He was like, we're both navigating painful stuff, and, you know, I just had a lot of fun with you. And so then we've been talking this week, and then we hung out last night, and it was, like, the same, kind of the same thing happened, and, like, he was like, you know, I feel like as a guy, it's weird to say this, but, like, I, I'm i not used to, like, it's like he's, he doesn't really do casual sex a lot. And I think I was, like, trying to, my my thing with it is, like, as long as it's on your terms, I think it's fine. You know, I like, it's bad when, like, you want something more and you're just, like, settling. But I still, like, can't, it's just hard to, like, get into it for me. It's hard for me to, like, be comfortable well do you think while it's hard to get into the casual sex do you think that the casual sex helped you get over this dude ben um i don't know um i do think it it was good to like have kind of a distraction like yes and no like yes when it's like this initial flirtation and like you're texting someone again and it's new yeah but then like Last night, it was, like, not working, and I was just like, wow, he's not Ben, and that's fine, but it's (laughs) not what, like, we both were, like, we're so, we're, like, transitioning from, like, sex from the last person that we had, and it was, like, our rhythms were not together, it was just, like, I don't know. (laughs) But at least you got some foreign dick, you got that British dick, you know? 
yeah. That's always yeah. a good, you got that Meghan Merkel dick. That's what you did. But I was actually like, I don't, and oh my God, how about, he, he called me out on an eye roll in bed. You eye rolled in bed? Was he fucking you? I didn't even know. I didn't know. Well, because he, it was like, he said something like, I, what did he say? He was like, I feel like we're going in like the opposite motions or something at one point. And that's when I was just like, all right, I'm trying. Like, I, Jeez. I don't know. Hey, it but it's something. I think, I think, then, I think doing the rebound is better. Y- he wanted you to cuddle? No, and we were like, we like slept like cuddling and stuff. Like it was like, it was comfortable. Every, like everything was comfortable except for the sex. So, and maybe I get a. I feel like I can't tell. I can't tell if we don't have sexual chemistry or if it is just a timing issue and we should like slow down and just get to know each other better. No, you fuck know? it. You fucked on the first night. Just to either, you know. Well, yeah, I know. That's the thing. But that's good. I think it's good for you to, to kind of get your mind off. And like you said, the, the fun of texting somebody new, you get that little dopamine rush from a new guy. Fuck it. Yeah. Just, just run with it. You guys both, st- you know, you both hooked up as rebounds the bar is set literally on the ground and uh you know yeah. no pressure yeah but i'm glad just, like, and i'm glad you took like, the initiative to just move on and say your piece you know because that's more important yeah. than his response exactly that's that's sort of what uh, it really really helped it just closed the door for me like or or, or it almost felt like I closed the door versus, like, he shut me out, you know? Yeah, you, you just want control. You, you want to control over your emotions and, yeah. and letting it out. So that's good. Look, you're going to be in, L- in L.A. next week? I'm coming tomorrow. Oh, no shit. Well, hit, yeah. hit, me, up when you're in, hit me up when you're in town. Because yeah. I want to do – I got to do a mic where I can rap. All right. <laughs> that's the most white Jewish thing I've ever – I need to rap I now. Um, I know. I got to plan my rap. Yeah, I'll, let's let's do some mics then. Okay. Yeah. Right. Either so tomorrow night or Wednesday night. All right. Sounds good. We'll find. We'll f- actually. I actually know of a couple that we can do. But um, okay. I, I wanted to. I wanted the uh, listeners to hear your update and uh, and uh, I know they're yeah. waiting uh-huh. on the edge of their seat. Thriving, thriving, and I did cry on him last night. Just a little though. <laughs> hey, lube is lube. You know what I mean. Get those salty it's tears. Fine. Uh, it's fine. Well, I'm uh, I'm um, truly glad to hear you're doing well, and um, yeah, hit me up tomorrow. All right. All right, I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye, Katie. Everybody, uh, I, I didn't know I was going to give her a call. Oh, let me turn the audio down there. You know, I mean, look, cell phone calls are not the best uh, audio for the podcast, but I think it's important to pick up the phone and hear how our friends are doing that have been on the episode. You know, so if, 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 if by all means you didn't listen two weeks ago, Katie, um, you know, just got dumped and fired. So look at that. Two weeks later, she's already getting rebounds and she's doing better. And that's all about it. It's about moving on, about learning a little bit, expressing yourself and all that. So anyhow... Oh man, we got so much to do. And look, I said I wouldn't go much over ten minutes, and I already am. I got. Let me bang out these two emails that I have. Uh, we got an email from a guy named Ben, actually, which is really interesting because uh, you know Katie's uh, giving up on the Bens after four Bens in a row. She's like, no more Bens. 
Ben wrote, hey, Dave. Uh, This is a different Ben, of course. The question discussion topic is, uh, so recently I started listening to Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. One of his major points is not to scold anyone personally or professionally, but to focus on their strengths. That inherently, if you criticize, that puts the other person on defense. I've seen that, Ben, on the receiving end of it, but I also feel like, again, personally and professionally, there there reaches a point where you have to say, look, this thing you're doing is affecting me negatively. You need to stop or change it up. At what point do you think it gets to that? Or how do you handle that in a way such that the other person doesn't just go to defense mode? Thanks again. Keep up the good work. Ben, this is the story of my life. How do you critique someone? Let's specifically talk about our partners, You know, people we love, uh, some, some that we live with, dating, new. How do you critique something that's not flying with you with the other person? Um, also, look, all we can do in the end is take care of ourselves and how we react to things. Um, you know, with Tasha, I had a conversation in the shower with her last week or a couple of days ago that was so profound. And um, she had already kind of, kind of, blown, kind of like blew, blew her top on me about a few things and got really upset. She was upset about something. And a lot of what we deal with in our relationship is things that Tasha gets upset about. I mean, I'm a dude, like I'm not, I'm pretty easygoing in the relationship. And generally there's someone who's more easygoing than the other. And the person who's not as easygoing is the one who has all the problems. You know, if you've got the introverted kind of mindset or the, um, you know, the uh, highly sensitive person mindset, other people's variables affect you. So I got to talking with her when we got into that safe place where we were happy and hugging. And she said, yeah, Dave, I've got scars. They're things that you do that I react to negatively. And, and in my thing, it's like, well, I'm, I'm willing to put up with it as long as she starts acknowledging that. And if we start acknowledging that we're hurting the other person or we're, or we're reacting too heavily and we love them, we have to work on ourselves. We have to work on how, how that happens. Now, in your case, you think that your partner um, needs to receive your criticism, but you're afraid they'll get too defensive. Yeah, women, I mean, in, in this instance, women get very defensive when they're told they're doing something that annoys you or that's wrong. Are they and, and men do too, men do too. I get so defensive when Tasha tells me something. She, you know, I go, what the fuck? I just painted the walls. I just, I'll like spout out random things. She'll be like, yeah, the laundry, you, you fucked up my bras. You know the bras can't go in the dryer. And I'll be like, what the fuck? I vacuumed all day. Like, I'll just say something that doesn't even make sense. But it's my defense to say, I did good, though. And I would say to you, if you're going to ha- have some criticisms of your partner, you got to lead it with a lot of affirmations. You got to lead it with a lot of love. I love how you do this. I love that you mean to do well, but, you know, sometimes I feel like, Um, this is how it hurts me. And, you know, it's a gentle situation. So, so your question is how, how long do you let shit slide before you start addressing it like that? Well, look, I think, I think for, for as long as you're in this relationship, you'll have to be kind in the way you critique things. Um, because the fact that you're asking me, this means you're already sort of walking on eggshells with criticism. I get it. And look, some people are better coached than others. I grew up playing sports, uh, group sports my whole life. So if someone's telling me I'm doing something wrong and they have good reason to like 
you know, cite why I'm doing it wrong. I'm like, fuck yeah. Now, if some stranger's like, you're not funny, this is why. I'd be like, in go fuck yourself. But if someone I love is like, hey, Dave, I really noticed that you get really stressed out on Monday mornings. Maybe on Sunday nights, we can work on a to-do list so you feel like you have control of everything. I'd go, oh my gosh, that's a great idea. Thank you for caring so much. So it's less about fixing the um, the outbreak and more addressing the problem. So I don't know, email me back, Ben. Let me know what's the actual like issue that you want to critique your significant other about, and what and um and how are you? How do you want to go about doing it? And maybe we can work on ways that it'll be best effective because communication is all about being. It's uh, effective communication is about dropping the ego and just getting your point across in a way that the other person will love you afterwards, right? There's no point in shouting down at someone. I mean, I pity the relationships where a guy can just yell at his wife. Hey, you don't fucking, you're, you don't, yeah, the shepherd's pie's always dry. You make the worst shepherd's pie. I wish you could learn. It's like, oh, imagine how sad that lady is. No, honey, I love the salads you make, but the shepherd's pie sucks. <laughs> oh, geez, I, I could criticize Tasha's cooking all day. I won't. I won't do it. Anyway, Ben, yeah, let me know. What are you trying to criticize that you don't like? Because also, you know, um, wait, maybe, how do you get through the long, oh, I just got some spam. Maybe, you know, part of what you're criticizing in her is something you need to work on yourself. I always like to turn it around on people and say, well, what are you doing? Anyway, quick, uh, here's another email where I get criticized. Speaking of which, um, this is from, uh, we'll call her, um, Joy. Let's call her Joy. That's not her name. Joy said, Hey guys, I just started listening to your show about a week ago. I got to say, I love the diverse subject matter and I love podcasts about sex and sociology in general. The only constructive criticism I have that I think would make it easier on the listener is for my guy, Dave. Buddy, exclamation mark. I'm already nervous. Buddy, you like you like myself, I have a feeling are a brilliant ADD ball of energy. With that comes lack of filter, which is part of what makes your podcast so great. But dot, dot, dot. Besides with Tasha, you interrupt with your guests a lot. It works with your boo because it's your dynamic and it's cute, but it's really hard to follow your guests sometimes. I do it too, but I don't have a podcast. It would really just be something to be conscious of, of, I think. I know you like compliments though. I think you are awesome. LOL. (laughs) Also, if you guys touched on certain topics for longer, that would be cool because you guys have some good shit and points on good shit. Thanks for your show. Listen on my way to work. Hey, thanks so much, Joy. No, I really appreciate it. And you're right. You're right. It's a fucking ball of energy. We sit down with cups of coffee and then we start talking and I go a million miles a minute. And in normal conversation, I don't think that it would be considered as interrupting because it's my whole thing with the interruptions. It's like, yeah, I'm excited to talk to someone. I want to interject and wait for my turn and all that. But you're totally right. It's something I'm working on. Hopefully this episode, I don't interrupt Vanessa too much, but um, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. And I really appreciate you checking out the podcast and uh, listening. I really do. I, uh, for everyone that writes in, it's just amazing. We just started our newsletter. I send it out every other week and I share my dates, what town I'll be performing in. Um, and you know what sucks is that I don't have any shows this week in Los Angeles and there's a, a listener in town from Montreal and she's like, hey Dave, where can I see you perform? And it's like, look, I'm not going to let you come to some of these shitty shows that I'm doing. I'm only going to let you come to shows that I think are good. Speaking of good shows, April 25th, I'm at the Comedy Bar in Chicago, downtown Chicago. Come out to the Comedy Bar. If you live near chicago come to the show that's a wednesday april 25th at 8 p.m it's gonna be a fun show i'm randomly doing a show and then i'm gonna be hanging out with my buddy brecht who is one of my best friends i met studying abroad in france years ago i haven't seen this guy in years so i'm so excited i'm i was like look i need to get the next flight to chicago he's gonna be in town on business we're gonna do a show any listeners 
come to the show. Let me know if you're coming. I'll get you on the comp list. We'll, uh, we'll have fun. It'll be a good show. And um, then May 3rd through the 6th, I'm going to be hosting at Harvey's Comedy Club in Portland, Oregon. Again, in Portland, Oregon, I'm going to be at Harvey's Comedy Club opening for my buddy Jay Hollingsworth. He's a beast of a comic. My other friend Kane Holloway is on the show. It's going to be a blast. I'm, we're going to be doing six shows in Portland. If you live in the Portland area, I've never been. Let me know what I need to do. I want to have fun. I want to record a bunch of... We're going to record some podcasts. Come to a show. I'll be there for six shows the weekend of May 3rd through the 6th. And I'll be celebrating my birthday. Woo! Uh, speaking of birthday, what's up with all these Facebook donations for your birthdays? Um, fuck that. It's the one day out of the year people can Venmo me something. Uh, don't Venmo me, but... I mean, who, you know, like, give me a gift. Not, not you guys personally, but my friend. Like, why would I want my friends to donate to a cause? Does that sound really bitter of me? That's very millennial that we have to donate to a cause on our birthdays. Are we Jehovah's Witnesses? By the way, if you're a Jehovah's Witness and you like this podcast, subscribe, rate, and review, share with your friends. But the thing is, yeah, I don't know. Um, not to be too catty, but um, there's nothing better than waking up and reading your birthday messages you get from people. I better get a lot this year. I want birth. Send me a birth. Send me a message, regardless of my birthday. Write us uh, at sexactuallypodcast at gmail.com. If you write us, you'll automatically get added to the newsletter, which I'm doing uh, every other week. So the newsletter's uh, letting you know of my dates, new, sh- new episodes, um, some photos, some sharing, personalized stuff. Again, it's free. No Patreon yet. If I get a bigger following, I, I would... If, if we get some... We, we will be getting more listeners. We have some uh, plans in place to really blow this thing up. But maybe I'll go to a patreon account where we do that solo episode once a week i've kind of been debating on how i want to get back into my solo episodes because i really do love them and i know that by doing this intro at the beginning of the episode i'm making this shit way too long but the solo episodes it's a different dynamic it's me um joy like joy mentioned i can't interrupt my guests i can interrupt myself um but it's a little more stream of thought motivational uh type of thing so anyway Best thing you guys can do to help the podcast, which is free, is to subscribe on iTunes. Maybe you listen on Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen. If you have an iPhone or an iTunes account, subscribe on iTunes. It helps us go up the ranks, and we're trying to get this baby featured. The more we get it featured, the more eyeballs and ears listen to it, and the more fun things we can do. Again, like I said, 2018, I'm making this thing profitable. I'm making it profitable, getting rid of my side jobs. Oh, and so many good things are happening. We wrote a half-hour comedy, and now we're pitching it. And I swear to you guys, I swear to you, this shit's going to be on HBO next year, created by your boy Dave Neal. I can't wait. Um, I'm saying that uh, with hope. We haven't pitched it yet, but oh, it's looking good. I can't share the details with you, but it is looking good. And it takes us back to the mantra that starts it all. Leap and the net will appear. Folks, you got to put pen to paper. You got to do what it is that you want to do. Let me know if I can help you. Share your art with me. This podcast is all about community. It's about opening the channels of communication and being with those that we love. And I love you guys. I truly do. Sometimes I wonder if this shit's not funny enough. It's like I'm a comedian, but I don't want to... Like, this isn't about jokes, right? Sometimes we, like, we obviously have fun on it, but it's about opening up and hugging and loving deeper and knowing that we're bigger than this fucking, like ego life we live where we think the world's all out to get us it's like no we're all here to thrive and leap in the net will appear is a mantra that i truly believe in when you're ready to take that leap um do all the research you can make the moves take care of yourself create for yourself uh this episode 
I really enjoyed my conversation with Vanessa. We had never really talked before. I had just seen her in passing, and she's super talented. So go follow Vanessa. Um, you know, another thing we touched on is like how complicated it is with how we uh, judge beauty in this world. So I'll just end on this thought because I've noticed this with Tasha too. Who you know, she's a, you know model. Like she's, it's hard. It's hard to find a real way to complain about beauty because this sounds so trivial, but people judge those that are beautiful in a very harsh way and it's harder to see the love the loving nature in somebody that we almost look up to with their beauty that sounds so weird to say there was an article written recently about a lady who talked about why it was difficult being beautiful and that sounds so funny and stupid to say because you think you have the world given to you and on one level you do but everything balances out you have the world given to you with your looks but as the looks fade they take it away and you're not almost seen for who you are till those looks are gone some real beauty and the beast shit happening but uh, with vanessa she's a very good looking girl she was on america's next top model but um she has to you know she has to go on stage and be judged by her jokes not her bone structure and so often in our society we value bone structure or how juicy or thick people's asses are that we go oh beauty and success is how big your instagram following is and it's like no that's garbage there's so much more to life than that and um anyway anyway what kind of tangent is this i'm already at 25 minutes um but let's let's work hard i'm so guilty of this let's work hard at really getting to know each other and judging each other on what we actually possess on the inside because that's what we're taking with us in life, not what's on the outside. Although I'll say this, I'm starting to get gray hairs and it's freaking me out. (laughs) Oh, I'm turning 33. Anyway, folks, I know if you're older, you're listening going, fuck you. Isn't that funny? If like, if if, if I'm 25, I feel old compared to a college person. But when you're 40, you're like, oh, I'm younger than that 55 year old fuck. Uh, There's always someone that we're younger than. But uh, I'm chasing it. I'm trying to feel healthy. I'm drinking that green smoothie. We're going for it. Anyway, enjoy my conversation with Vanessa Johnston. What's a good vocal exercise? It's, it's like super, it's like, because I trained with this guy that trained Andrew Bocelli and Whitney Houston, and it's like these exercises are super aggressive. I should start doing vocal exercises. Like, that's all, I'll give you. It's do like, it, do it right now. Yeah, it's super weird. My, my boyfriend, one time I was doing, he was like, you have to give me warnings before you do that. Uh, okay. And your voice is supposed to crack. It sounds like it's aggressive. It's like fa, e, a, and then boo. Yeah. But like, you have to hold it like this, like hold your fa, fa. Like, but like relax and then, so you do, and then do uh, like egg like eh, eh. and then aw and then the last one is boo Yeah, so then, hi. The dog. Do you notice the difference? Like, the, it sounds. Yeah, you scared the dog away. I know. uh, Do you do that before stand-up? Sometimes, if I have, like, a big show. But typically, it's only, like, in the morning. Because, like, when I go on the road, um, 
I have to do radio like six in the morning. Yeah. You know, so I do that before I do radio. So you don't sound like shit. Yeah, and then I do it before when I record my podcast. I do it before. I want to start the episode off with that, just to annoy the <laughs> shit out of everyone. <laughs> like, what the, what Are you recording? Yeah. Okay. We're going to jump right into it. I'll cool. add an intro later. Um, Sweet. But we're with Vanessa Johnson. Hi. And uh, thanks for doing the pod today. My pleasure. I uh, don't. I want to tell you everything I know about you. Oh, okay, cool. Sentence. Sweet. Um, this is what I know about you. You're from Minnesota, mm-hmm. and you're and you're a comedian, and you were on America's Next Top Model. Wow, that last part is supposed to be a secret, but yeah. Is that something you don't tell people? No. That's not part of your, you don't talk about that? No. I just, that's all I got when I Googled you. Oh, okay. I got, I got like a local newspaper article about you. That's funny. And then I was like, and I was reading it, and I was like, I feel kind of stalkerish. That is stalkery-ish. Yeah. Uh, that I know that you were on a TV show, so. I mean, yeah, that was, that was, um. Released around the world. Um, yeah, no, I do did. Do still do that show? I think so. It's on like Bravo now or something? I don't know. I got recruited for it, so I didn't even apply to the show. They, Where'd they find you? On Facebook. Um, yeah, they found me on Facebook, and they were like, hey, we have a show. You don't have to do the auditions. We're going to give you right to like the final callback. And so I didn't even want to do it, and then my dad talked me into it. Really? Yeah, he was like, it would be a good experience, and you know, whatever, what, are you gonna, what do you have to lose? And I was like, oh, I don't know, you know, I think probably a lot. So then when I, they, they're like, okay, you're, you're the, they're like, we're going to give it to you. Here's this paperwork. It's like 200 pages of just selling your soul away. Like, yeah. you can turn me into the worst they human. They manipulate you. Yeah, they're like, we, they're like, we can make you, it's like literally like verbatim, like, we can make you look like however we want you can't sue us you know what i mean complete character defamation like all this stuff and i was just like this and they is do that like sound clipping where they'll take they'll just literally put words together that you've said yeah and make something whenever that's I watch, what they did to me i, I watched the bachelor I, I like to do recaps mm-hmm. and whenever i don't see something come out of someone's mouth in an extended clip if there's an edit or a two shot or over the shoulder i'm like they didn't say it right as far as i'm concerned they didn't say that yeah like that's basically what happened to me and so when when I um, and I didn't even want to like do the paperwork, I was just like, uh, and the the, <laughs> the producers, the production company, made me go to a Starbucks and sit down and do the paperwork because I was just like not doing it. They really didn't want. Well, that's that's they clearly liked you. Yeah, and they're like they had a plan, dude. They had a plan for me. <laughs> And, and how did so, it go? How long were you uh, on it? One episode because, <laughs> so I'll tell you. And so I, so I get there and I'm like, okay, if I'm doing this, I'm going to be America's sweetheart. I want to be nice to everybody. I'm going to get along with everyone. It's going to be great. So that's what was happening during the, the first week. An episode's filmed over a week. And so um, everything was great. And I was nice to everyone, and I was friends. Some girls would try to be mean to me, but I was like, no, like I'm not going to play a part of this game, you know? Yeah. Um, three days in, the producers pull me aside and are like, hey, we casted you for personality. And I was like, mm, what does that mean? Like, <laughs> like not my face. Like, I don't know if I, said, I, mean, if I should take that as an insult or a compliment. Well, like, yeah, they, either you're not pretty enough to be just on your looks or your personality. We thought it was going to be so dope. And I was like, they're like, you need to turn up your personality. Otherwise, you're going to get kicked off. And I was just like, mm. And they're like, yeah, is we, that an insult? We want that? you to be a bitch. And I was just like, yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm, I want to be president someday. This is back in, you know, circa <laughs> yeah. 2010. That's <laughs> a good way to start your presidency. I was like, yeah, exactly. So they're like... As mo- we take reality starts as presidents. 100%. Now, so, you know, that's a I know. perfect start. <laughs> exactly. They're like, she's, she's making her way up the top. So, so you had to turn up the bitch. 
I was, but I refused to. And so they got upset at me and they're like, well, if you don't, we're going to kick you off. And I was just like, I don't care. Um, and so anyway, when I told them I was not going to do that, they, when you're on this type of reality show, they put you in a room to do interviews. And basically all that is, is when you see them do inserts on a show of like a person in a room, they're just talking to the camera. That's like the interview section. At the end of every day, they put all the talent in a room individually and they just talk to a camera about their day. And then that's when they use the, those clips. The confessional. The confessional. The real, real world stuff. Right. Yeah. So typically girls go in there by themselves. They don't put anyone in there because girls just give what they want. For me, they made me go in with a dude who like fed me questions that I had to repeat in my answer. So like, for example, they were like, hey, were you the rich bitch in high school? Make sure you repeat the question and the answer. I'm like, uh, was I the rich bitch in high school? Then they cut out, I was the rich bitch in high school. <laughs> when my answer was, I grew up in middle America in a white suburb. Like yeah. everyone was a rich bitch. Minnesota, like, you're all white. Yeah, I grew up in a suburb. It's like no, there was there was you know like compared to everywhere else. And my answer was very humble, but they cut out the That's, one thing. So when the episode aired, I was like, everyone's like, you're gonna be America's sweetheart. It's gonna be so dope. And it came out. I was like, America's evil villain bitch oh cunt. Oh my gosh, you were the you were the bitch cunt. Yeah, dude. There was like Reddit forums. Vanessa's so cocky. I was like, what, dude? It was also so you worse. have you know. Here's the problem that happens: is people don't want to like attractive people. Yeah, I so mean, so there's like there's like the one type of attractive, which is like the kind of blonde, wholesome. I think that's more likable to people off the bat than someone with darker, like darker hair and features. Like Tasha, right. my girlfriend Tasha has the dark eyebrows and the, you know what I mean? And like she, if she's thinking about what she wants to order on a menu, I'm always like, why do you look like you want to kill somebody? And she's <laughs> like, I'm just, this is me. You know what I mean? Like, it's like there's something. She's like, I have resting kill face. <laughs> she has resting kill face. And you've got, and so they, they pulled the bitch cunt out of you. And uh, that's too. So, so now with stand up, you, you have the ultimate control. I guess. So well, yeah, I mean, but you know, it's, it's funny that you, yeah, well, 100%. Like, I mean, that's part of the reason why I was so attracted to stand up was having complete autonomy, saying, talking about whatever I wanted to talk about, and then just like being being myself. Because I, I think as an actor, I didn't really have any interest because I was a working actor for a couple of years. I was on a couple of TV shows and I did a movie, and I just didn't really have any interest in like being other people. Um, I definitely lose respect for actors. Um, the, being in, in stand-up now, because I started with acting as well, I look at actors and I go, oh, that's so fucking easy what you have to do. You have a very CW face. Uh, I do? Yeah. <laughs> nice. That's what I'm marketing myself. Yeah. I'm like 10 years. A dude the other night that I know told me I looked weathered. And it has fucked my week up. You're like, great character acting. Here I come. I was doing like the face, the, the Korean face mask last night. I was like, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta step up the coconut oil game. Were you I, at a Korean spa? No, we was doing it here. Oh, okay. we've got a whole bunch of the. We did Korean barbecue this weekend though. Yeah, this me is too. like, oh, oh, did you do Korean barbecue? Uh huh. That shit'll fuck you up, man. I have to go like a, a month without meat. I think. Oh really? Oh, just the shit I. Because we had we had family in town. My sister's mom and brother, and you see our place. They stayed like right here. Right. They're, that's why the dog's so sad because they left and like we were all kind of like denned up together. And dogs love that when there's like he, you know, he's like sleeping on the air mattress with my brother-in-law or whatever. He's like, I'm glad I'm all the only one that sleeps on the couch. Yeah. So he had literally just scattered bodies everywhere. But yeah, we did. We had to do all the touristy stuff. So we did little Tokyo. Koreatown, um, a bunch of different things like that, yeah. Which I never, we never do, I don't know. No one knows the difference between any of those cities. It's all the same to me. It's all just like something. That was an Asian joke, okay. Yeah. 
Anyway, so so that so immediately you're just you do the America's Next. How long ago was it? Like five years ago? No, eight years. Eight years ago. Yeah. Wow. So you've been in LA for a while then. Eight years. You yeah. moved. To, so that was like one of the. You, that was like. I got cast at two weeks into being here. Wow. Yeah, I was going to what film a, school. What a way to shit on you, like by by like I manipulating know. you like that. I was like eighteen, fucking. Fresh, uh, fresh, uh, wide-eyed and bushy-tailed. But that's what like they do. Here, they yeah. have to get new people that will play the game. Oh, like sure. my like my girlfriend, she 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 works in modeling, but there's so many jobs she just refuses to do that yeah. she won't even like. She'll she's like, I'm not gonna be some bimbo. Like she knows when she's being taken advantage of three steps before because right. she's had to. She's been there. She's been in those positions where like you show up and then you're trying to not be a bitch and you're on the job and you're like trying to play along, but you're like, this is fucking bullshit. Well. As a so before I even did top model, I got scouted by Wilhelmina, which is one of the top modeling agencies in the world. And so they offered me a contract and then um America's next top model thing started moving forward and I wasn't allowed to sign with any agencies. And so I had to postpone signing with them and then when I got off of um when I got off uh top model then I signed with Wilhelmina. And I was going out, and I was like a model for six months, and I was just like, "This is not my steez, yeah. dude." Because you're it takes just, away yeah, the strength of uh, wit, charm. You're not a the, human. You're yeah. a moving. You're an a walking clothes hanger. It whittles you down to like whatever you look like in a photo, which is fine, but it takes away the kind of yeah the charisma of what you offer aside from your looks. But right, well, it's not even just like the al- It's most. I think the problem with modeling is not necessarily modeling itself. It's the people in modeling, like the, the fucking, even the makeup artists like are really mean yeah. to models for some reason. Like they like to make them insecure. There's for some reason, a lot of the people in the fashion world, like get off on these There's like beautiful yeah. young girls being insecure Tugging and having eating and disorders. I they was like on make set. them feel guilty for eating strawberries. You're just like, what dude? I was on set for this shoot that Tasha did and um, I never, I never go, you know, she, you know, whatever, but it was like a Saturday. We we're going to up for drinks after. And um, they were trying to get her to do this topless shoot and she's done like implied stuff and she's definitely, you know, done whatever she likes. She'll do what she wants to do. But when someone tells her what to do and they were like trying to coerce her into doing something, but like in the nicest kind of like way, like they knew that they needed her to be topless to like, to like boost what they were trying to get, but she gets nothing out of it. It's it's very much like this lecherous thing, and I think with acting, uh, modeling, stand up, you you get like the Hunger Games is built into the framework of what we do. You get like people that you would probably be fine if they worked some normal corporate job, but because you're in this world, you get the shittiest of people. Like Hollywood, is just brings out it does bring out like the shittiness of people. Well, it's, I've had this conversation with a couple people just about LA in general, and there's definitely a lot of different cliques. I mean, there's some people in there's some f- people in entertainment, like filmmaking, because I have a, a f- like a TV movie background. Like I worked in development for a couple years at HBO, and um, I was a working actor. And so there's definitely people in the film business, especially that are really good. The, like you know, like the Quentin Tarantinos and and the whatever all those like those like michael bay is like uh i know him and he's a great guy and uh there's a lot of guys and and women who are very talented very humble very good people and i think that the cream rises to the top and when you get to that top echelon of humans in every industry they tend to be really nice good people like in comedy for example bill burr i think is one of the best comics 
he is one of the nicest down to earth yeah. humans. I mean, I've seen him at open mics. Joe Diaz is another one like great guy. Like I see him at Joe open Diaz mics. Joe Diaz is the fourth wall, right? Yeah, I was. Yeah, oh he does the fourth wall all the time. I was there a couple weeks ago, and he, he was must fourth, murder. He does five minutes. He pays to do five minutes, and like Bill Burr, I know, like was at a mic one time, and you know really? he, he was yeah, and he was at a, he was at this like a couple years ago. He was at this mic. It was like a five minute mic, and he like six minutes because they didn't light him. No of one course. we're like we're not no letting Bill Burr at this mic at this coffee shop. And Bill stopped at like six minutes. He's like, "Hey, how, how much time am I done?" And we're like, "Dude, you can do however much." He's like, "No, no, no." He's like, "Dude, I don't fucking." He's like, "I'm good enough. I know, I know you guys waited a long time for this. You know, thank you so much for your time." So he like fucking got off. You know what I mean? But then you see these comics that are like, and the cream rise to the top. Like those top yeah. people do are fucking cool and nice. And then you see these people who are like in the middle or even like some younger people and they and they're so mean and like and and like and like for example like this roast battle thing i've seen some comics get like roast battle and and then now all of a sudden they have this like huge ego and they're just dicks to everybody and you're just like why dude like yeah, it's interesting what a little bit um of this industry will show you what well then they come out then you're like oh this is who you are yeah. you know what i mean and then people see that and then those people don't get very far you know what I mean? The people who achieve a little bit of success and they're fucking cool and likable and people enjoy being around them, they keep going up, I yeah. think. They grow, they go Absolutely. up, up, up. The people that show me like, oh, you're a fucking asshole. You know what's crazy to me is I meet a lot of people and they go, they have one question that goes, oh, who's your favorite comedian? Not Like probably 75% of the people I tell, Bill Burr, they don't know who he is. Yeah. And it blows my mind. You need to have better friends. I, that's top. what I took These away from These aren't even that. like my friends. These are just like people I'll meet, you know, out and about you need to meet better people yeah and i'm like go on netflix and just billboard anything or youtube anything right. you want and it's gold like the dude is so amazing yeah. um, I, my 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 problem when i do solo episodes is like don't sa- try not to sound like Bill Burr. you always try to sound like the per- people you love like for a while there everyone was sounding like dane cook you know like several years ago you had like these dudes doing and it's just well, emulation like we love it's something you love and you kind of absorb like naturally we're just we we reflect that that of which we like. Well, even Dalia, Chris Dalia, was cited for basically being Dane Cook on stage for like a couple years, and then Tommy, who is the old talent coordinator at the Comedy Store, was like, "Hey, you're trying to be like this energetic thing," and so Tommy would put him at like the very end. Uh, this is when Dalia had been doing stand up for like five years, and was past the store. They would put Dalia on at like one a.m. in front of like six people in the OR, and he couldn't do that. He yeah. had to just be real and become authentic, and he kind of like grew out of his like Dane imitation phase, and now is like a Dalia. Um, but that yeah. was a good place to start. I mean, I don't know. Do, do you? Who do you think your comedy styling? I are like? never. I I I think when I started, it's so weird. Bill Hicks was like my biggest yeah. comedy influence. Um, when I sat, because I, when I started stand up, I didn't really know comedians. I didn't even know stand up was like a thing. So I came in at a blank slate. Yeah, how like, did you make the decision to get on stage? I was at this dude brought me to a comedy festival called Oddball on a date. This was in like 2012, 2013, tw- yeah, 2000. In LA? Yeah, in LA. Yeah, it's a huge festival. So that's all heavy Oddball. Hitters. Yeah, Oddball's huge. Yep. And I saw Dalia and I was like, oh, this is like a thing. People do this. I didn't know stand-up existed. Wow. And I was just like, whoa. Like, because I was on the debate team in high school and the speech team. And um, I was like, if you see, if you look at me on like Instagram or like, I think social media, you're like this dumb, pretty whore. But like, <laughs> no, I, I know. Like, that should be your first album. <laughs> yeah. This dumb, pretty this whore. This dumb, pretty whore. Can I name the title of this sure, episode? <laughs> go for it, dude. Dumb, pretty whore. Um, 
No, but you do. I mean, it's like, but I'm a fucking like I'm wearing like an AP chem, like AP chemistry. I mean, like look at this shit. Like it's like what does it say? AP chemistry, yeah. like 2008 or something. Yeah, it's a science joke. Oh, good. Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah, I didn't get it. It's like I'm a fucking, like, I'm <laughs> a loser. I mean, not a loser, but it's like I'm this, like, like I... People can't see that, though. No, I think a lot. And I have opinions, and I was just like, but I never really get never to say it to anybody. So I was like, oh, I could, like, do this as, like, a thing. That'd be cool. And so... Do you think people weren't wanting to listen to you? I think like, people... Like, dude, dudes... Like, if you met a dude went on a date, like, is he, does he even care what you have to say? Or is that just, like, a trope I think that now because i from doing stand-up which i i think that's why stand-up is one of like the best things a woman can do because you learn how to have your own voice and like command an audience and you learn that you're worth listening to um i think definitely when i was younger i had issues even in school though like i was always quiet in the back like i had thoughts and opinions and like jokes in my head but i'd never say it i was very like quiet you in know, the corner. I was this, I was actually the same way. I was um what we call like football huddle funny. So like we would on the football team, normally the guy who's like the loudest got the laughs or whatever. It was like that and I was I was never that guy, but I would say something under my breath and someone would laugh and you'd be like, "Oh, okay, maybe maybe like my thing is just shitting on other things, but like in a way that's <laughs> dismissive, but until you get on stage or have that mic and that focus on you, you almost don't even know you're saying funny shit. You're just picking out like bullshit as you see it. So right. a lot of times I can get lost, especially I, I feel like, yeah, for, for women, I mean, you've got, you, you've got society, it's taking a shift, but really, really focus, trying to get women to, you know, be dainty and not have some crass opinions about things. Oh, I mean, dude, the list. Okay. First of all, when I first started stand up, um, like just for your listeners, cause they can't see me. Like I definitely don't, I look like. I wouldn't be doing stand-up. I think that's kind of the general... Not right now, because I have no makeup on. I look like a little Asian boy. But, great. like, with makeup on, like, I fucking clean up, okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm a Maybelline 10. Um, but, um, in yeah, because in L.A., with stand-up, you get a lot of agents and managers that tell models and actresses, you should try stand-up. Oh, is that, so, like, a new thing, I feel like, in the last, like, two years? Well, and it's even, like, this, those people. Yeah, this time of year. So, it's pilot season right now. So, you just get a bunch of people that moved out, and they're like, I'll, 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 I'll rattle off some jokes. And anyone can rattle off a joke, but it's... Right. So, so and I'm, a lot of those girls get dudes writing for them. Like, that's what makes me angry. Like, I see some of these recently, because when I first started three years ago, there was, like, two or three girls that were considered, I guess, like kind of attractive that were doing, that were like new to the stand-up scene that were like writing and doing comedy. And then in the last like year and a half, there's been like this influx of just all these beautiful women and they don't even write their own material. They hire male comics to write their stuff for them. And it made me so angry when I first, I was just like, fuck these bitches. Like I didn't even take tags the first two years of comedy. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, I didn't take t- people come here. I have a tag. I'm like, no, I don't take tags. Like, I'm. Well, there's a pride there to be like, that's my, you know, like I love when stand up specials you see written and directed by Bill Burr, and it's like, uh, it's obvious, but or right. not, not directed, but written, but it's like, oh, that's a really cool credit to be like, the next hour you see is something that this person wrote. Well, not only that, it's like, if you want to be a comedy, a creator of comedy, how can you. How can you have a career in comedy if you don't know how to write comedy because you've been leaning on people your entire existence? Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, but going back to, like, how being a woman and starting stand-up, like, definitely when I first started, like, I would get... you. I think being an 
depending on how you go about it, because I see some attractive women that start, start stand up and it's like they have the easiest time. Like by like six months, they're like at the Laugh Factory and getting on these huge shows and like guys are those they having dudes write for them oh, and they yeah. and dudes dudes who produce shows are like I want that chick with yeah because she has a hundred thousand with huge tits right now yeah I know you're talking about that's doing stand-up. I'm on, I'm like I'm on a show with her tonight the last factory <laughs> by the way she's nice and she's smart and um I actually like her but she definitely she started in a comedy class and then went into comedy and has people write for her and yeah you know whatever I give people the benefit I asked about she was on a friend's show this week and I asked him like how'd she do because I like, I'm not gonna. I, I want like, how did she do? I've only seen photos of this chick, and I go, wow, she's gonna. And then he's like, oh, she roasted the audience, and it was a small crowd. And oh, okay, cool. Yeah. You know, like I'll give everyone's welcome. We're, we're we we do put up the brick wall, like oh, you're not one of us. But the only way to get past that is just with time. I mean, you've done right. it for three years now. Like I'm, I've done it for six years. I was a year in when I got my first job opening on the road for somebody, and I, and in hindsight, there was a million people that deserved it more than me. But I got it, and you take it, and then when it's over. It's over and it feels like a, like for me, it felt like a step backwards, but it wasn't. It was a step backwards from performing in front of like gigantic crowds, but those weren't my crowds anyway. So when I get How long back, did you, you open for the same person for a yeah, while? How I used long? to open for Craig Shoemaker for like, I did probably like a, just like a hundred shows, I, I, you know, on and off, but like we'd go, you know, travel and he, he's, he's got a, you probably don't even know him. Do you? I no, I think I do. Because he doesn't do like the club circuit here. Got he's it. just a uh, he's been a, a headline, road dog. Headliner, road dog headliner yeah. for like thirty years. Okay. So I had to, I had to learn how to set the table for him. Really do you know he he had specific things clean which 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 in hindsight everything he asked me was good to learn. Um, but by all means, I wasn't getting to do like whatever I wanted. No mm-hmm. crowd work. Clean. Go up there. Do you know whatever he wanted? Oh shit! They had like rules. Yeah. Because he's done it for so long. He's like, this is what I want. I mean, I could I could sneak a swear in or two, but like I had to kind of stay away from... See, that sucks. You're like having to make your comedy for your dude. That's who that I got, like who I've been kind of like opening for recently this month. Like we kind of have similar comedy styles. So it's been nice. Like he doesn't try to like tell me to like change my comedy. He gives me more like be authentic, be real. Like sometimes like I, we did the improv this past week and he was like oh like i feel like you're lying on stage and i was just like oh shit, that's fucking deep you know what that's i mean great he's that's like you're lying go in there some. and be yourself and he's like i don't care if he's like go there and he's like it doesn't matter if you fail just go up there and like be tell the truth because yeah. he's like you're fucking lying and i was just like oh god okay like i don't want to have it at the next set go well that's that that i did that night like i was at the Irvine improv and it was like 600 oh it was like 500 people and and um I had like when I did that, it was weird because when I got off stage, there was like fifteen people outside, like standing in line waiting to like talk to me and like get my contact to follow me on Instagram. And it was like mostly women, which is like kind of what I'm writing my comedy for now is like young women. And they cited the parts where I deviated and it was like just telling the truth. They're like, oh, like that part. And I was oh, like, wow. oh, okay, so he was right. You know, and it's tough to have that perspective from the stage. You're you're getting on stage, your adrenaline's pumping. So there's this like fight or flight mentality, but you have to like play it cool, go slow, and then also like riff, yeah, and just because that's like you was like just be truthful. And so I was like riffing, and it's so scary as a young comic. Well, it's just like all these factors, you know. Like first of all, the person that like I was doing the show with, like I really really respect. Like he's super super funny, and I mean like like where people like just like he's so talented. Like for example, in the main room. Like I saw him like in the main room a couple weeks ago, and 
D'Elia got on stage after him and said he was afraid to follow him on stage. Yeah. Like, he's just so talented. And so I really respect his comedy. And I think, um, you know, I just, like, I definitely get insecure about, okay, I have to kill this time. I have to do, like, the best. And so, like, so like at the same time, being like, I need to do my polished material that's, like, two months old. But, like... Where he probably just doesn't care at all. No, well, he... I mean, he does care. He doesn't. He doesn't care. No, he, I'm, I'm saying he doesn't worry about following you, and I. I don't mean right. I'm no, no disrespect. He doesn't. He's a pro, so yeah, he, he thinks it doesn't matter for yeah. him. Like he thinks he's so good, which is just true. He is really funny. Like, you know, in his mind, it doesn't matter. But at the same time, yeah, no, that's right. Maybe that's what it is. But in my head, I still get like insecure. Like, oh, I have to like crush. But then he's like, stop like you're in your head like get yeah. out you know what I mean take risks and I'm just like I'm not in a place to be taking risks I <laughs> well, literally don't want to take risks right I now. love when I've, I've heard so many stories of headliners telling their opening act to just be like don't say anything you've ever said before you know yeah. and then you gotta go up there like ah! and you know you find you find stuff and it's tough yeah it's 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 tough because in LA um, we're so hyper focused on like every every set matters yeah it's like, like a showcase set I'm every doing set the sycamore tonight and it's like that's that's show that place is built i'll to, be there tonight oh you'll be there yeah after my show the factory i go there all the time oh nice yeah i haven't been there since um like tk matterson had a show there i don't know if you know him yeah but they, i've never looks, done a show but it looks like they've turned it into a decent room yeah it's cool but it's like is it a workout oh. room yes but am i allowed to work things out me as probably one of the lesser comics on the list it's like i don't even know anymore where you, like that's why it's crazy when guys like Joey Diaz, who's one of the funniest people in the world, goes to an open mic just so he can tinker with something he's not yet ready to do at the comedy store, which is supposed to be the professional open mic. It was so funny because um, I was I've only done fourth wall once when Joey was there, and this was a couple weeks ago, and um, I was going to work out all new. I was just going to I was like in a zone of like kind of like what you're saying, say stuff you'd never said on stage before, just like be in the moment. I've been working this thing and. I was about to do that, and I right before I go on stage, I look back and I saw that Joey was behind me, and I was like, "Fuck, dude, I'm not riffing in front of Joey Diaz." Like, no, no way. Because he'll remember if you if you yeah. do something memorable, he'll be like, "Dude, this fucking cocksucker!" Like, yeah. It's yeah. so I went up there and did this material that's like my new like opening bit. It's like you know five minutes, and it's about like makeup, and I did it because I he had to go up after me, and I did it, and uh, and it was I mean like crushed and then he got on stage and he said it was like okay it still gives me like goosebumps he said and it kind of sounds like misogynistic but i was like (laughs) he was like this is the first time in 27 years i've been nervous to follow a woman wow i was like (laughs) misogyny is funny because (laughs) if if it's a compliment. Misogyny is always a compliment to the person getting catcalled, but it's not a compliment to the, to the women as a collective. Yeah, you know yeah exactly. I mean? So it's like it's a it's a huge compliment to you and a big fuck you to women. <laughs> no, but I he's he is uh, a guy that I would trust is such a genuinely nice dude. Yeah, because then I went to the store like after that spot, and he was there, and I was at the back bar. He was like, "Hey, you're fucking funny," and like because I was on Kill Tony for a year. I don't know if you know that. Um, yeah. And Tony was back there and I was like, what? And then he was like, she was on Kill Tony. He's like, yeah, she's like, he's fucking funny. And I was like, I love oh, you. And I'm like, bat- bottling this up. <laughs> Thank you very much. Can you just say that? Like, can you just record? Can, can I record that and <laughs> yeah. put it on the internet? I'm going to save that video, can I, please. Can I have Joey Diaz being like, it was hard <laughs> first time in 27 years. We live <laughs> off of affirmations. And it's, what's, it's funny because my lady isn't uh we struggle with our love languages we we, we dive into love languages on this podcast and what's your love language and what's hers? well i love affirmations yeah. she needs quality time she probably needs other things as well and i probably need other things but i get 
I get a, a lot of quality time with her because she needs it. So that's all, that's that's easy for me. At least it's not like gifts or something. Gifts, not not big gifts. She I mean, for her, because like my uh, mine are, mine's word, words of affirmation as well. And the dude that uh, I've been uh, going on the like opening for this past month, his girlfriend is gifts, and he's really? uh, like affirmation or something. So she needs gifts from him. Yeah, like purses and things. Yeah. Really? And so he's always upset about it. <laughs> That's like literally half our conversation. I wonder if she needs the actual material or just the idea she's of not someone. A, she's not, oh, she's not a comic. She's just a model. No, I mean material like does she need the actual purse material or the idea that he's out there thinking of her? You know what I mean? It's going to be uh, very yeah. tough for women and men in general to, to be dating someone who's on the road. Like do you have a boyfriend right now? Yeah. And, and so your boyfriend has to, de- and I don't mean to put this on him, but he has to deal with the fact that you're going to be on the road with a male comedian right. and you know, dealing with you're basically on stage flirting. We're all on stage flirting. We're trying to get the approval of the audience, whether we're flirting with the man, I'd, I'll take anyone's affirmations, you know, but is he okay with that? Is that a struggle? Yeah, no, he's great, but he's in the comedy community. So, okay, he, so understands he understands it. Yeah. He's very understanding and he's very, um, he's very, he has like, he's very, uh, self, um, I don't know the word confident, uh, He's like not, yeah, I don't know what the word stud. is. He's just, he's very like, he's has like good self-esteem. He's like, okay, you it know. It takes a while to get, I mean, I, with with, with my relationship, you know, my girlfriend's going to Mexico for four days for this um this um Bud Light Festival. She's going with a company. And she was like, should I go? It's not, it's like, and I was like, yeah, go. Like, but like back in the day, I'd be like, oh shit, she's going to be partying with, and she isn't a partier. She's going to be exhausted from it. She's such an introvert, but she's got this like, you know, you know, I was like, you need, you need it. You need to go. It's good for your social media. It's good for you to just get out, go be with some girls, go make some friends. Like I have to push her to go do the things that I know are good for her. How long have you been dating? Four years. Yeah. See, my dude's kind of like that too, where it's like, oh, I don't feel like, <clears throat> I don't feel like going on the road right now, or I don't feel like doing this. And he's like, no, you have to go do it. And I'm just like me. Yeah. And, ma- like, and maybe you need, you know, like, I don't know, maybe you need to, to know that he's so supporting that you go do that. So at least you're not on the road. Well, he gets mad at me if I don't go. Cause yeah. he's, he's, a, you know, he's a really big booker. And, um, so it's like, he doesn't respect comics that aren't out grinding every night. And so it's but like I'm putting together who you're dating. Yeah. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Or maybe I'm not, I don't know. He runs juice now. Oh, no, I don't know then. Oh, okay. okay, good. This is good for me. I don't know who it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's good that he understands the industry and all that. Yeah, he's been in it like for like five years and he was a manager at the comedy store and now, and then he, yeah, he's, he booked like Def Jam for a while. Wow. He's a, yeah, he's really like smart and understands comedy and he's good, he's great taste in comics. Like he's turning Juice around and Juice is like going to get popular again. And Have you dated how, so you, cause you moved, you moved mm-hmm. from the Midwest, from the like parts of the country that are just nice people to LA and, and really have only been here your adult life. How, how were you molded with your dating life coming from Minnesota where like dudes will probably do anything for you versus out here, which is like, man, are kind of just like looking after themselves a little more. Um, well my childhood was very abnormal. Like my mom, I didn't grow up in like a typical Midwestern family. And so it was very chaotic. My, my dad, owns a my dad owns a debt collections company and like is very like oh, what a debt collections company debt, oh debt collections okay yeah he's a lawyer and like, like uh, they called me <laughs> he's never said i love you to me like i'll be like i love you and he'd be like yeah okay really? so and then my mom has clinical schizophrenia she was on a mental ward most of my life um are they like, together 
yeah, they're still married. Just because they're so dysfunctional, they can't get a divorce. Like, they don't wow. have, they, they, like, wouldn't be able to get a divorce just because they don't have their, like, life together. So, um, but both my parents are very smart. They're both, like, really talented. They they both were opera singers, like, in college. and. Um, so you all just do the voice exercises before dinner. <laughs> together. We're like, all right, family vocal exercise, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas carols. We're, we didn't send Christmas cards. We sent Christmas Christmas videos. They, <laughs> like, yeah. No, were, that's not true. Were they religious? Or yeah. Are they religious? Yeah, yeah. This is my, my, my dad's like, uh, he's like, oh, there has to be a something, but it's all from like an academic, like, you know, like, oh, like n- n- something's never created from nothing and like the movement for movement to start has to be pushed. Like he's very like that. My that makes mom, sense. My mom, you know, is just like, Jesus will take care of everything. Um, so yeah, they're super religious, but my, my parents had like a very turbulent relationship. My dad never really respected my mother. He didn't treat her well. And so I was kind of like used to that, I think, but my mom's a strong woman. So she would be like, fuck you and like throw a phone at him. So I was like, I was very <laughs> accustomed to like, how did what? you realize he wasn't respecting her? Like, how did, oh, he would just he would like hit her, and my mom would hit him back. You know, it's like very like um, just toxic. Yeah, and it was like a very yeah. My dad would like tell me like because I was the firstborn, he would be like, you know, women are shitty. Like, don't you don't want to be friends with women? Like, I don't think he accepted I was a woman for the first like yeah. eighteen years of my life because he would like talk to me about like women are the worst. Like, you should be friends with women or not. Like, he hates women. But that's a dad. I mean, growing, he probably was raised, you know, grew up in the 50s, 60s, 70s, like those. That generation really imprinted some shit on us that we're just digging ourselves out of. I mean, he, they're all part of like the, the, the boys club. That's like women. Well, I mean, I, I kind of grew up in, in a, you know, mis- misogynistic in a way. And I'm not, I'm not like a white knight now. Like, oh, women are precious. Like, I'm an, I'm an equal person now. You know, like, I respect the individual. I definitely give, give you the benefit of the doubt. But I've had to bite my tongue and not you know, not use bitch as much and not, you know what I mean? Like, like simple things, but I'm trying not to overdo it because I, th- I just see how ingenuine it is when people are like overdoing it on one side. It's like, bro, you're just trying to get laid, like chill out. You know right. what I mean? Did you have only brothers? I had a sister, sister, oh. and a, sister and a mom. So I wasn't even, I, yeah, you should be great with women then. I feel like men, cause my dad was raised by a dad and he had only brothers and they had a, a mom, but the mom was very subservient. And so that's where he kind of learned this. Like, cause I think men, that are raised by like strong independent women tend to be very respectful of women um and then men who are raised by predominantly men or like have female have a mother figure who like didn't work or like wasn't strong like they have a negative view of women they think all women are like that and i've had issues dating because like i can only i've only mostly had successful relationships with guys who were didn't have a father growing up because their mom was like a strong woman and they're like, even the dude I'm dating now, like, you know, his dad left when he was super young and he's very receptive of my strength. And then I've dated a couple guys who kind of were the opposite and had a mom that wasn't respectable and they were like, it's just not a compatible relationship for me. So that's that's really interesting. And you you do have a point that, cause I, you know, being raised by just a mom and having a sister, it's not like I was, shitting on women i just i i i love my guy sports time my guy you know in, in trump ruined the, the the locker room kind of tag but like the like the your typical locker room talk where like guys are you know we would have this circle where all the at the baseball we'd be stretching in a circle and guys would just talk bullshit to each other so like that guys just when you put us all together we'll just talk so much shit in one direction but would never sort of treat 
you know, we would still want to treat the women well because why would you not want a happy woman, you know, happy wife, happy life, all that bullshit. Well, because my vibe from you is that you actually have more feminine feminine energy than masculine energy to me, and it's it's part of my weathered look <laughs> that I have. Your weathered look, your weathered face, your soft features of just in weather. Um, um, I'm a such a I'm a yeah. You I, have feminine I, I energy, like probably because you were raised by mom and a sister. You kind of felt like they didn't understand everything about you, so you got a relief talking to guys, being like, "Oh, they're doing this, they're doing that." You probably like vented to dudes because you're like, "Wow, that's like so." I never looked at it that way, you know. But wow. I think that you probably get along with women very well like i'm oh, sure yeah. you can you can probably successfully have female friendships i can flame out real fast like i can go <laughs> i can go be a i can be a gay best friend to somebody for sure right. yeah. but like do you have like female friends like yeah some of my best uh, best friends y- are y- women yes but i also like my my friend patsy is one of my best friends but she's but i do have like amazing male friends right. too because you because you so crave that by like having a woman you know like i can yeah yeah i can i can go in either direction but I, yeah i can totally be um m- more like I can be genuine with myself and not put up this like masculine like right act brave. It's like no no I cry watching happy and sad things all right. the time. I think the honestly the most well adjusted men I've dated and met are dudes that were raised by single moms and sisters. Like um so men are just fucking things up. I mean I don't think that I just think that like for some reason that's just what I've noticed like. And all those dudes that I mentioned that were raised by single moms and had sisters are like you, where they have great male relationships. They have really great friendships with men, but they also have the ability to be friends with women. Guys who did, were not raised in that situation literally don't know how to be friends with women. You're right. They see women as like a skin suit to fuck. A hundred percent. They don't know. They yeah. don't think of them as anything more than that. They don't have that ability. It's very strange. We've, we've, we've interacted with some of these dudes online when like Tasha posted a a pro Bernie Sanders uh, Instagram photo a couple of years ago. And like some dude went off on her and it was like, Whoa. And we looked and like this dude was like coach of a football team. He had a daughter and it's like, this dude is like s- passing down a lot of bullshit to the next generation. And you can't grow as a people till like you just say no at that level, you know, and maybe, and we might've gotten to him. Like we actually ended up having, you should never like, inst- you know, talk to these trolls, but we actually ended up like, humanizing a lot of the things he was saying and being like yeah like this is why this is not good you can't you can't just like shame like he basically was like telling tasha she wasn't hot enough to have a voice right whoa when like you as a guy like like coming from your background you understand that's wrong and i honestly think you know people were talking about the divorce rate being such a bad thing but i think that a lot of the change happening now is because there's men coming into power that were raised in similar circumstances as you they're coming from a place of understanding and compassion and and they're not so one-sided. And I think it is attributed to the divorce rate and single moms. Interesting. Yeah. So but your parents stayed together. So how did so how how are you fucked up? Um I mean I've worked I've worked on a lot. I've gone to like a lot of therapy to like I used to, not anymore. Uh definitely well so I well, like where do your red flags show up in a relationship? Right. Like, um, what, like what are you doing? That's kind of like, oh boy, I'm kind of because you know, because yeah. to, to be honest, you're you're a good case study because you're the firstborn female, and I've done a lot of research because my girlfriend and a lot of other people that I know that are firstborn females are counterdependent. They don't. They um, what does counterdependent mean? So co- it's the same thing as codependent. Uh-huh. It's just in the other. It's it's just the pull instead of the push. So if I'm fighting with with Tasha, I want to continue to push towards her to be like, let's figure it out, and she's drawing away. So she yeah. needs to be alone in a room where I need to hug. 
sometimes. So it creates so two counterdependent people can't stay together. They'll just both fuck off. Fuck you, fuck you, peace, and they're out. But two codependent people can be like super nurturing and a codependent and a counterdependent, it's kinda like a yin yang. Like mm-hmm. I have to Tasha's so willing to run away from fights and not address things that she needs someone to kind of like keep running towards her in a way that's healthy. I've had to learn to back away in those sort of heated moments and not try to like get too close. Cause it's like, I, I've had to learn that my, my way that works for me, it doesn't work for her. So, you know, like, could you, do you know if your boyfriend is mo- most guys in this industry, I think are codependent because you know, they say like men, men were hugged too much and women weren't hugged enough. That's the main reason like we're all fucked up. Oh really? Yeah. That's like, that, that's like a very simple way to put it. But uh, yeah, I think like by needing affirmations, you're, you're dependent on other people. So that's right. like by needing affirmations on stage, by needing an audience to like you. And even the comics, they go, fuck the audience. I don't care. It's like, uh, they're the ones that need it the most. Yeah. They're the ones. There's a comic that comes to mind. You probably know him who is very dismissive of audiences and, um, you know, never thinks that him doing bad has anything to do with him. It has to do with the audience. And it's like, I like know mechanism to protect himself. Right. Cause he is so sensitive and like he gets home and like, and he like makes fun of like comics and like blah, blah, blah. But I know that when he, I know him as a person and like when he gets home, he fucking cries and has like mental breakdowns. And oh, I'm just geez. like the one who, if I said who this person is, you'd be like, Oh shit. And then you're like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Oh man. Cause what I know, I know who you, I know you know who he is, but when I think of guys like that or women or whatever, I just think of fuck man, you don't know how, gentle we all are and, and like there's this one guy who's a fucking psycho and i won't ever even i barely want to like make eye contact with this dude you probably don't know who he is but i like i genuinely thought he was a good guy and it scares me that some people are so um i don't know just not there right. and so you this this image that people show you like person, sociopathic yeah oh yeah and i'm i mean i need my i've like i'm i'm, I'm turning 33 soon and when's I, your birthday may 1st so I'm, I'm getting there, Taurus. I know exactly what I need to maintain my sanity. I go on, like today I'm going to go on a nice, I'm so pumped. I'm going on like a seven or eight mile run. Um, it's going to be amazing. I'm just going to put a pod, one of my favorite podcasts on and just zoom out. Not not myself, not my own podcast. Um, I, I don't listen to shit. <clears throat> Some people do. Some people listen to themselves uh, when they travel. That's weird. But I like, I know exactly what I need for myself. And I think a lot of people don't know what they need to like give, to just give themselves, like what do you, What's your grounding thing that you have that kind of keeps you from like going bad shit in this world? I mean, I definitely like to be in nature. I would say that that's like a major thing. Um, Like I go to the like Hollywood dog park with my dogs all the time. I get out into nature. That's kind of like I kind of can reset. Um, I don't have, I was like starting to smoke weed and now I'm, I'm trying to get off of it. Uh, I was like sober for this last week and then I <laughs> did my friend gave me a bath bomb that had CBD in it that what? also THC and I've done the CBD ones because I have chronic like muscle tension pain and um yesterday I did it and uh, the THC was like super high and I'm, I'm still fucked up so from you, it. it's the bath bomb fizzles yeah and then you're just absorbing the weed yeah yeah, wow. it was like, but it's usually CBD, which is not psychoactive. It's right. just like relaxes your muscles. And so last night I had THC and I still, I mean, I'm still like fucked up from it. I can feel it's the worst. That's what's um, interesting is, yeah, there's a lot of 
weed out there that if you do the right thing for you, like there's, um, I was smoking a lot, not a lot, not a lot. I mean, I'm, I, I never, I never smoked for the first time when I was like 23. And then I, I never even knew how to pack a bowl to like this year. I wasn't, a, <laughs> it wasn't a weed guy, but what I've realized is there, there is like a, a very mel like mellow dose that I like. And I was smoking the wrong thing once and I had to show at the dime bar, which is a mm-hmm. small, tiny, no, no harm place. But like, Damon Wayans was on stage and I walked in and the room was completely packed and I started like freaking out by all means my freak out's probably like still probably I was probably still cool but in my head I was like fuck like what have I done I can't handle this I can't like my whole comedy life was like flashing before my eyes because I was high and there was like this like killer black comic on stage yeah it was probably like a sativa thing yeah right? it was sativa yeah so sativa causes anxiety yeah mm-hmm. and that was last night that bath bomb was called awaken Oh, and so, so you just process. You're just processes. are just fucking juiced. like I'm. Um, yeah, I'm fucked up right now. I typically do when I did smoke. I was doing did this was like literally as of a week ago. <laughs> back when I smoked in the day, back in uh, you back know, in my day. back in early March. Um, back two weeks ago, uh, I was primarily indicas, and then CBD is you know calms you down. But I'm trying to just get back down to just having nothing because I definitely did not like. I just don't like the feel, like what you're saying, like you're in that situation where you're on a show and you're like, fuck, I'm not optimal because of this thing. And it's a constant balancing act when you're doing any sort of drug, you yeah. know, you're constant. Oh, I have too much. I don't have enough. It's like, it's very hard to hit that perfect amount at the right the exact show matters, time. You know, yeah. I've done, I've, I've gotten high on shows that don't matter and it hit me. Like I had an edible and it was like a fucking crazy experience. Don't remember what happened. Saved it as like, hi, you know, I like saved it in my phone. as like, hi. And I never listened to it. Because you're I, just afraid. You're I, was, like, I, I was like, so it hit me <laughs> mid-set. And then I booked a job in, like from the audience of that show. Like I booked it on the way out the door. And like, I don't, if I was sober, they probably still would have, like whatever I said was like fit into what they needed. You yeah. know, but I was like, what the fuck? I don't know. I, me, me, it's more like after the set, just like chill out, try to go from that, that high to back to. But then you have a withdrawal. Like I noticed that if I don't smoke every 24 hours at the 24 hour mark, I start experiencing withdrawal symptoms. Interesting. Which are like what? Um, I started having issues like talking. I get like withdrawn from people. Like I have issues connecting. Are you in your withdrawals right now? Withdrawals? Do I seem like it? No, no, no. no. I'm just asking because you had the bath bomb yesterday. Yeah. Um, Are you still high? I'm probably, I'm definitely like a little bit because I was so amped last night. I was so amped, bro. Um, (laughs) I had to take, I have a sleep vape uh that's like an indica i had to vape to fall asleep i was so fucked up it was like three in the morning i couldn't fall asleep interesting and i had the bath bomb at 5 p.m wow so um yeah and it just comes down to like figuring and i out still what feel it for you yeah i just want to get off 100 percent and like get back to being sober because i was basically sober my whole life and then I started my best friend. She's like super into weed, and she's You're talking like, sober just with weed or alcohol everything. Too, everything. Yeah, I don't drink. What right did you now. drink first? Um, probably when I was like, I didn't start drinking until I was like literally like 21, 20, 22. Really? I didn't start drinking until I was twenty two, and then you I, moved to L A. Yeah. and wasn't having a drink, and I think that's why I've cheap date. I know. <laughs> I think that's why I've been pretty 
unaffected by everything because I, you know, I've never done coke before. I've never, I did meth once by accident. <laughs> it was the worst. I love that you're like, I'm not drinking or smoking. I did meth once. Uh, no, but it wasn't on purpose. I drank this punch and it had meth and I had no idea. What the fuck? Yeah. It what was, did that do to you? It was literally, have you done meth before? It's no, the worst. The fuck have I, I've never done coke either. I'm, and I've kind of been like, I really want to, I really think I should try it, but. Coke? Well, but I, I've never done coke before because I read it's an article that said that like, like five uh, percent of people, the first time they do cocaine, die. Yeah, they punch a hole in their heart or something. Their heart, yeah, it, like Jeez. fucks you up. So that's like, why? What's the point? I um, I'm a big uh, I I drink C4. It's this like pre workout drink, but yeah. I have to cut. I literally cut it in half because I will my skin will itch and I'll, I'll, I'll way outperform what my body should be doing. Like I run up the silver Lake Hills and if I have a full C4, like surfing, I'll just run up all the Hills and, and I'm like this, my heart cannot at my, Handle. like should not be doing this, yeah. you know? But so like, I got like, and then, and then afterwards I'll just be sitting there like hours later, just heart still racing. Like there's no off button for this shit. No, but it's I love not stimulants. good for you. I love but uh, although on stage, you know, a lot of those improvs have like a little Red Bull in the green room, a little Red Bull like shelf, whatever. And I would have like a sugar-free Red Bull and then go on stage. And it's like, bro, that's why I started smoking a little bit of weed because the adrenaline you get on stage is enough to kind of give you the energy for the room. And I was coming on, I was coming on stage hot, like sweating <laughs> and fucking ready to talk to people. And like that's not the energy the audience is in. It's a commercial Red Bull. Gives you wings. Gives you wings and like scares the audience and that's what it was doing. But you just jump off the stage. I literally just like oh you can get dizzy if you're too much in that. Yeah. So like but my my withdrawal is from sugar. And I had a like I said, with family in town, we ate a lot of fucking pastries and don't like just a lot of carbs this weekend. I love carbs. Yeah. So that's my thing is starting I think this morning I had a pastry while they were still here, but but there we'll, we'll wrap up in a second. Have you here. been no I was putting lip gloss oh, okay. on. Okay. <laughs> you're you have me on camera. You're gonna look great. We'll slap a little filter on it. Oh, It'll thank be good. God. You like that ring light? Yeah, it's pretty fucking that's intense. A, that ring light is pretty dope. It um Maybe that uh, my girlfriend bought it for me, but I think she uses it more. But it's a good, like, you can blast we bought shit it, on We there. bought it for our, our uh, amateur porn shoots. Yeah. And now, uh, <laughs> she will not let me film her. That's You've asked? Oh, fuck yeah. Really? I can't tell you how, That's easy, so funny. how easy girls would offer up images or video of themselves in the past. And something about she grew up with a family that was normal. That she's, like, not. <laughs> no, she's, guys, I don't know. I don't know. I, My dude I'm dating now won't send me... A dick pic. Have you requested one? I've requested several. How do you, do you just flat out, just, you know, pomegranate emoji or what? How do you? No, I was like, I want one. And I'll, I'll try to take a photo of him and he won't let me. When you were on the road? What? Like, like you're saying you wanted one when you I were I just wanted away. one to look at it. Really? Because <laughs> it's amazing. And he's I like, think no. My, 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 I think my chick would be disgusted. In fact, really? I should send her a dick pic and secretly videotape her response just to <laughs> show. I should be like, what the fuck is this? You know what I mean? I don't know. He won't send it. And I, cause he's like, no, he's like, you have to see me to get, get this dick. And I was just like, <laughs> Oh, I love you. <laughs> How long have you been dating? Two years. Two years. That's yeah. a decade for comedians. Yeah, I know. Does he do stand up as well? Or is no. he just on the business side? That's kind of nice. It's the best. Is cause he he's not from, competitive. Is he the dude from Arizona? No, no, no. Yeah, it's not that. It's not that guy. Huh? Anyway, that's good that you've kind of got something. I mean, do you still, do you still get hit on? I know for women, it's a problem with in the stand-up community, like just being sort of when I, when targeted. I wasn't, 
And then we broke up for like two months and everyone found out and it was like the wolves came out, dude. They knew. This was in the fall and I was just like, what the fuck? I finally understood what female comics were talking about because everyone knows him. And so, and you know, he's like, He's, you know, he's a yeah, big... Yeah, why bother you if you're taking He's a you know? big dude. and but, but people know he's a booker, so they didn't want to make him mad. Right. Like, so it was like the perfect level of like, oh, it's like, you know, Sarah Weinshank. Her boyfriend runs talent, uh, is Adam. He runs comedy. She's dating Adam? They had been together for like four years. Yeah, see, I'm so far out of that world. So like no one's mean to Sarah. No one's ever hits on her. Like, because oh, they don't want to... bitch to her. What? I just told her off. You did? No, I'm kidding. She, like she no one's mean to her. Though. No one hits on her because they don't want to make up. They don't want to make Matt Adam upset. You know, so it's kind of a similar thing. But wouldn't you? Wouldn't people say that the that that's annoying that you have to be dating a, a man of power to like feel like safe from the safe. vultures? Well, yeah, because I didn't even know that was a thing. I just thought that's how people treated me with respect, and then <laughs> and then we broke up, and it was the worst. It was the worst. So you dated him pretty early on. You started dating him pretty like, early on in your three stand-up. months and doing comedy. We started dating, and so we broke up, and I was just like. Oh my god! Why'd you break up? It's like a dumb. It's a dumb story. It's just like this dumb. Yeah. Were you, were you, was it something that you both like learned from? No, or it was a communication mistake. It was like basically a guy was there was a dude who was trying to date me and like was really aggressive about it and Chris found out and like got upset uh, yeah we, he got upset and then we broke up and i was like i don't you know i was like i don't want to date him like you know it was just like basically because i think what happens when you're dating someone everyone kind of sits back and it's like okay well they'll break up soon right and then a couple years go by and they're like oh they're not breaking up and then there's some people who are like well i'm gonna make them break up because i want to date this and you person think that, that's what that guy was doing no i know that's what he was doing he so told me. Were, were you not were you not uh good enough at striking that down not that it's your job yeah i have issues saying no to people yeah. and like i'm working on that um you're a people pleaser it's 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 common Who, who's not trying to yeah i mean yeah so like wh- what did you learn for the next time well, a strong like, dudes like not taking no for an answer i know my per my so the person i've been <laughs> it's so funny which like, by the way i i just as a guy in this in this modern world, I feel bad even saying it like it's your problem. Do you know what yeah. I mean? But it's like, you can't control that. There's going to be savages out there. Well, sure. The pr- they shouldn't be sad. The men shouldn't write like he shouldn't be a savage. He shouldn't be hitting on. You should be respectful. But like, how do you, what's your self defense? Like, I've had guys be so aggressive, like guys who have, and the main issue has been dudes though are like came from money. Those guys seem to be like, they can't take no. Um, like this dude particularly was a, a billionaire. He was an heir to like a huge fortune. Jeez. And, and, um, and then there's been like two other guys in that same kind of time that were like trying to like buy me away. Like they're like, you know, like I'll give you 10 grand a month. And I'm just like, I, Fuck. I know. I know. Tasha I was, would take that in a second. Yeah, like, like, I'll Bye, Dave. You, <laughs> like I'll give you 10 grand a month, like, and whatever you want when you go, like they would try to like, I'll give you whatever money you want. I'm just like, I'm okay. And like, to date you. Yeah. And like Chris, uh, well, um, okay. The I guy, bleep, I can bleep his name out. The, you said it yeah, twice. <laughs> the guy 55. I'm dating, like he's not in, I mean, he's like, he has like a normal job. Like he is like, drives like a Honda. Like it's not like, 
you know, he's by any means like in that world of There's dudes competing. listening in their Honda right now. I'm like, <laughs> fuck, what's wrong with Honda? <laughs> I know. Just like bombing around in their accent, their Honda accent. Well, he's just like a great guy and I really, he makes me feel good and he makes me feel like hey, What's I can, more important than that? Yeah. What's 10 grand going to do if you got to deal with some like a month. dude who's willing to pay <laughs> you 10 grand? What's happened when there's the next chick who we can pay nine grand to? <laughs> exactly. What time when she gets undercut? Well, I also like those guys like, make i just know that they're gonna try to control you and like i've never been in a position where i've been like supported by a dude i've dated a guy once who was super successful and we lived together for three months and like he gave me a credit card and was like whatever you want to buy on this card i don't care i don't even check my statements Jeez. oh my god imagine yeah <laughs> and i me. literally the only thing i bought on that credit card was dog food for our dogs because he had a dog and i had a dog at the time and so um yeah, like I, I didn't have even used that real fast. I know. Now looking back at it, I'm like, man, because <laughs> I mean, since I've had like yeah, jobs. Yeah, you don't want to. There, there's the other thing too is when someone gives you something, there there is an expectation of something in return. I mean, we even, lived together. He wanted to get married and like was like trying to like talk me into having kids, and I was just like, bruh. I was like 23. Wow. 22. Dude, when a dude finds what he likes, though, that's like. That's how you know when you're like, oh, shit, I'm willing to do things I wouldn't have done before. Well, like, and especially guys like that because they're like that dude was a self-made. This one was a self-made billionaire. So like he those kind of guys, I don't have issues with like normal dudes hitting on me. The issues like with guys who a came from a shit ton of money who never don't know the word no like they don't understand they, they literally they just can't throw go. money at their problems they and the one you say oh, I'm not interested then they throw temper tantrums yeah. like they literally throw like their toddlers they're like why blah, blah. they get rejection angry. is such a beautiful thing to learn but they to, can't yeah. like these guys like well, because they just go on to the next thing so there's the there's the heirs that have that attitude and then there's the other guys who are self-made super successful that are like oh you say no well then i just need to try a different angle so then there you become like a thing the they're challenge. trying to achieve so but has a guy ever won you over that way like have you ever said no to a guy and he's like and he's been like no i think i like you and i think you're worth pursuing because there is Something to be said for a guy who's willing to pursue you, even if you dismiss him up front. Well, yeah, because I I have issues saying no, and so like that dude, oh. you know, like the one that I dated a couple years ago that I lived with, like I didn't really want to date him anymore. I felt like it was he was very like verbally abusive. Like he would tell me I was fat, and I'm not fat. I'm very like I know now. I'm like I'm thin. Like I was a model. Like he would tell me I was fat, and Jeez. like he would like um, tell me I was ugly. He'd be like you know, you're not most guys physical type. Like Holy most shit. guys aren't attracted to you. Like he was like, so, but it's because he was using a tactic to like make me dependent on him because he knew that he didn't want me to leave. So it's wow. like, he mentally abused me. Yeah, he couldn't have you under the normal merit of just being a good guy. Well, because he knew that it was, he was going to be more successful in keeping me. Cause like, you know, cause if he, if I was completely secluded from everybody and only dependent. And so like, when we broke up, it was on national TV at a Clippers game on the floor because he had floor seats. And I, the, I was like, dude, because I, I, I would try to leave. I would break up. You broke up on the floor of the game? It was the only way I could do it because I was like, I had to get the, your candy tray first. Dude, it was on TV during like a finals game with the Clippers. Do you have footage of this? There's footage on the internet, yeah. Like, the because I knew the only way we could break up because I would try to leave all the time. I was like, I'm done, I'm leaving. And I would, I would leave. And did you wait for like the kiss cam? Did you do it like at that moment? No, I mean, dude, it was like on the floor during time, during a timeout. Really? But so I knew that he would. How unrelatable. I broke up on the floor of the game. 
There's some dude in like the third level breaking. No, up. but I poured a beer on his head. What? Yeah, and I recorded it and put it on the internet because I knew. All right, we're gonna. All right, we're gonna have to Google that. I knew the only way that we could break up. Oh, we're friends now, but the only way we could break up was if he didn't want to be with me anymore because he would not let me leave. But that sounds like a. That sounds like something you say after you've done that. Like, was it a premeditated? Beer yeah, it was premeditated because I knew. Christ. I was like, he. I was like we were on at the game and I was like I need to leave and he won't let me leave because I'd try breaking up so many times I would walk I would leave and he would come to he would find me he would like talk me into going back you are like, counter dependent that's really a very, I'm not saying this in a bad way but yeah. that's a like I got a, Tasha left me at Coachella she didn't leave the premise but she like left me and I'd go find her in Coachella and I was like the fuck man she hasn't thrown but he would like go me. to my apartment this is when we were living well before we were living together he'd go to my apartment and like not leave and like talk me into going back. Like he would call my family, like do all these things to try to like corner me to going into back yeah, into he's, that he's thing. Super codependent. Then. Yeah, and so like basically, I was like, okay, the only way I can get out of this situation is if he doesn't want to be with me. So that's why when we were at the game, just it's not like I premeditated like days before. It was like literally like within ten minutes. I was like, all right, I'm gonna pour Did something happen at the in that time. Yeah, was like, he was funny. like trying to. He was like texting a girl at the game and like trying to put it in my face like this girl I could always leave you for her like he was trying to like abuse like mentally abuse me and I was seeing three psychologists at three therapists a week oh my at this because he kept making me he kept telling me my therapists were bad that they weren't accredited enough I was going to one that went to had a master's from Columbia yeah and like I kept finding ones that like went to Ivy League schools and every single one of them told me I was in a mentally and verbally abusive relationship and so there was like girls walking by and he was like, Oh, I wish you were as skinny as her. Like he was like saying this stuff to me. And, um, I was like not eating. I was like bony. I was like, I look, I was emaciated. So then I was like, all right, I'm ending this now. And I need to get the fuck out because I don't even recognize myself anymore. I became like a shell of a human and any woman who's been in like that kind of relationship, they understand like you don't even, you're not even yourself anymore. You're literally like watching out. You're watching yourself from outside of yourself. It's super weird. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. So I fucking got my camera and like, I was like, we're done. And I poured a beer on his head on the floor. For, with the selfie video. Yeah, yeah, on the floor. I poured a beer on his head and I walked across the court through the player's entrance and people were like high-fiving me. It was like pretty fucking cool. <laughs> then I was like, fuck, he's going to murder me. So I got an Uber home. I called my mom and I was like, I just broke up with Taryn. Like literally, I, he might kill me. So if, if you don't hear from me, just know that he murdered me. Cause Your poor mother. Yeah, because he's an alcoholic, so he would get, like, super, like, blackout. Like, he would just, he would, like, attack people. He would just attack random people, and then he would blackout, and then his driver would, like, put him in a Rolls Royce and bring him home. Like, he was, like, insane. And so, but he's a genius. He was so smart. He was super smart, super smart, and super great at sex. So, it's, like, you know, there's, like, like, some positive qualities. So, like, um, and it was funny. He was just, he was an alcoholic, and so when he would drink, he would literally just act like a completely it was like Jacqueline Hyde it was so crazy that's scary so mean it would he would like attack like random people and then black out and then not remember anything would you feel anything. shame that you were putting up with this or yeah like, of course I mean but by, by all means I mean people are in abusive relationships all the time and don't realize it because they might not necessarily have like a black eye you know what right. I mean it might be like it's almost it's almost better if you had a broken nose because then it's like get the fuck like what are we doing you right. know but like when it's abusive on the inside you can sort of when it's a slow it chip yeah it's a slow chip oh, i'm he, sorry to hear about that he's but he's super like smart you so we, we broke up 
Oh, well, where I go to his place and I'm like packing all my stuff, putting in garbage because I knew he was gonna try to murder me when he got there. And like literally, it was like the worst break I've ever had. Like he was like physically not letting me leave, took all my passport, my like my license, was like, you're not leaving, we're going to therapy. And I'm like, this is beyond therapy. Like you're still trying to fix it. He physically wouldn't let me leave. So and that it was wasn't like, even enough. he was like, I mean, it was just insane. And then I called the police. I was, like, locked in a room calling the police because he wouldn't let me call the police. The police came. Like, it got... He, like, got physical towards me. And then he got arrested. Brought him to jail. And uh, I moved out. And I went back home to Minnesota for a couple weeks. And I get a call from, like, the county. And they're like, hey, we're filing domestic abuse charges because I tried calling 911, like, early in the fight. And he took the phone away from me. What he, he thought he pressed end, but he did is press send. And so our, our entire fight was recorded. Oh, my god! By nine by 911. And it was, so it was like a 30-minute recording of him being like, I'm going to murder. How fast did the police get there? I mean, they got there within like 20 minutes. L.A. police, they'll get there the next day. It was in sometimes. Santa Monica. Like, oh, okay. Santa Monica. Yeah, it's pretty good. So they got there. I was locked. Literally, he had a knife, and I was locked in, I was locked in the bathroom, like crying. I thought I was going to die. And the police came, and I was like, how the fuck did you get here? And they're like, we have been on the phone for 20 minutes. We have everything recorded. And I was like, fuck. So they had him like threatening to kill me and like just all this stuff. So it's so crazy because he's a genius. And that's why I do, I still love him because he's really, this is so, like so fucked up and indicative of like abusive you got that relationships. Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. Because uh, he. Um, it's okay to still love someone even though if they're batshit. No, but so like what happened was because I didn't touch him. He was trying to get me to fight him. And I was like, I'm not fighting you. Because I, I did MMA for like a couple years and he was trying to get me to fight him. I'm like, I'm not engaging with you. <laughs> I'm not, dude. I'm not going to engage. He was like trying to put me in a chokehold. I'm like, I'm... Yeah, because then, then also he could... Not, not that... Well, he's going to escalate never, the issue. Yeah. And I didn't want to hurt him. You know what I mean? Because I could hurt him, but I didn't want to. And like, so what's so crazy is that um, that the next day he got out of jail because he bailed out. Because uh, they're like, oh, they're like, well, the lady, when she arrested him, she was like, I was like, is he... How long has he been in jail for? She's like, oh, for at least a week. But his because his bail is at twenty five grand, and I was like, "Oh, he's getting out tomorrow then." Yeah. <laughs> so I need to get the fuck out, dude. He bailed out by like six a.m. apparently, and when the police went to go take his statement, apparently because he told me this six months later when we got dinner together to discuss everything after this whole breakup, he told me he's like, "I have a confession." He's like, "It's really funny," and I was like, "What?" He's like, "Okay." He's like, "When I got out of jail, I went to my office. This is he has a big office building. I went to my office." And while the police were coming to do my statement and take photos, I for 20 minutes took paperweights and hit my legs to make it look like you were kicking me. And I was just like, "Wow!" so what happened was is that, I know, dude, and I was like, oh, but that's smart, dude. I wouldn't have thought of that. You know what I mean? It's smart, but that's fucking insane. I mean, it's insane, but I was like, oh, like this is why you're a genius. You know what I mean? Paperweights. He's one of the number one Wall Street dudes like in the that world. That hurts my knee thinking of this He dude. literally took a paperweights and hit his legs over and over and over so that he had bruises so it looked like I attacked him. So like, It's like the movie Liar Liar when Jim Carrey's in the bathroom just hitting his head with a toilet seat. Yeah, because he, <laughs> I mean, he has like the best lawyer. So like that's apparently his lawyer's like, you need to make it look like you were... Like you, she attacked you. So what happened was, is that the the county, because they called me and they're like, we're filing domestic abuse charges against him. And I was like, no, I was like, I don't want to be a part of this. Like, well, you don't have a choice. And I was like, no, you don't know him. Like, he's insane. Like, I love him, but he's he's gonna beat you. Like, I don't care. You're the government. Like, he's gonna beat you. They're like, well, they're like, we're charging him regardless. Whether and apparently in the state of California, the government decides whether they 
charge someone for domestic it's abuse. It's probably good. It's not for, the woman's choice. That, that's good though. Yeah. Don't you think? Because I mean, the, I guess. women, I mean, most women are, they're tra- tra- even if they're in, in abusive, they like, don't know. They yeah. don't want to fight. So like the, like, we're f- the woman was like, we're filing charges against him. This is like the sixth case in Santa Monica alone that's happened. So it's like happened apparently to a bunch of other women with him. No shit. Yeah. That's what they told me. Oh, and fuck, I was like, yeah. oh, I was like, yeah, and when that happens, it's like, you're not just, even though you might be safe, there's going to be another victim. Right. And another victim. So, and I guess that's probably why he like knew to do this because it's, I guess it's happened before. But so anyway, so like, I was like, all right, well, I don't want to be a part of this, but good luck. I get a call a week later and they're like, hey, we're dropping the case. And I was like, oh yeah, why? They're like, because he has all this evidence turning it on you. And I was like, really? I'm like, yeah, he has all this evidence that makes it look like you were the one that assaulted him. And I was just like, okay. It sounds like a, like a gossip girl. Which is episode. when then <laughs> six months later when we got dinner, he was like, okay, I'm going to tell you what happened. I got the paperweights and I, and I was just like, oh, fuck. So that was the evidence that like they were able to turn well, it around. If, if you're listening to this How crazy podcast and you're dating <laughs> this dude we're describing now, get out, <laughs> go. We got to get out of here. We're at 70 minutes. Oh, um, okay, cool. Thanks so much for doing the podcast. I My mean, pleasure. if, if uh, everyone is listening, um, if, if you loved this story, share it with your friend. We, um, we keep on getting great positive reviews, but the new iTunes algorithm is subscribers. So reviews are great, but they don't matter. So we need subscribers. So if you subscribed on your iPhone, go subscribe on your iPad too. Grab your boyfriends, your girlfriends, your daughters, whatever. Hit the subscribe button. And um, also, you, you, do you have the, the Morbid Report? Yeah, That's I, have a, yours. I have a podcast on iTunes called The Morbid Report. Um, I talk about weird news stories. And then you can follow me on Instagram at Vanessa V. Johnston and Twitter at Vanessa John Stew with two O's. And um, yeah, go listen to her. You've got good NPR voice. I'm sure you're, I'm sure the Mor- Morbid Report's nice. I'm trying to soothing. do it consistently. I just, I'm, I hate doing podcasts. Subscribe to I her d- podcast. <laughs> go drop a CBD bomb in the bath and um, and just um, catch up on some episodes, right? I just got a weird DM on my Instagram. Uh, this guy said, how much for a picture of your ankle? Nothing weird. <laughs> Should start with nothing weird. That sounds weird enough. Yeah, how much though? What's, what's it going right? I don't know. 10,000? Ankle, ankle prices. Thanks for doing the podcast today. My pleasure. Come back uh, anytime. Everyone, Vanessa Johnston, uh, go support her, subscribe to her podcast, follow her online, leave her comment on her Instagram, let her know you listen to her here on the SAP. Thank you. Bye, everybody. <laughs>